Welcome to the River Tree Canal Fulton podcast. We are excited to begin a new series this week called Calibrate. Calibrate is a series about rest and work and the way that God gifts us the Sabbath to help keep us healthy and growing, calibrating our life so that we can be who we are made to be and do what we are called to do. So we're really excited about this conversation. We would love to hear your feedback on this first sermon as we continue to press on in the next couple of weeks. We also would love to invite you to join us for some pretty exciting things in the next couple of weeks, including on, July, on June 5th, we have another potluck, potluck for our church. Um, it's just, we, we miss through the pandemic, being together, eating together on a larger scale. We're so excited to get to do this together again. We had one in April and it was awesome. So if you're interested in coming and being a part of our potluck, you should go to our website, RivertreeCanalFulton.com, and sign up. Let us know that you're coming. Let us know if you're bringing something. And we would love for you to be a part of our community as we gather together and just enjoy being the family of God. So anyway, Calibrate. Sermon 1, here you go. Our reading from uh, John this morning is from John 15. Uh, let's read this passage together. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So thanks for joining us this morning as we start a new conversation that we're calling Calibrate. Now, um, when I was uh, finishing college, I bought a Honda Civic. It was the first car that I'd ever bought with my own money. I was very proud of it, and I drove the tires off this car. A matter of fact, when Catherine and I, we had to, we had to sell the car because we needed room for, for kids once we had uh, started fostering. Um, but we sold this car with like 280,000 miles on it. Um, and I want to probably say that for at least 220,000 of those miles, I had this on my dash, a check engine light. <laughs> Have you ever been driving down the road and you hear that, and you look on your dash and you see this, and you're like, oh man, you ever been there? And sometimes it comes with a fun noise. And sometimes you don't have any clue. Why in the world is this light on? It's heartbreaking. You're kind of like scared, but you know that something isn't right. Something within the engine and the computers of your, like something has been triggered to where no matter what it is, something is not the way it's supposed to be. And that's tough. That is disorienting. Uh, sometimes... Nothing seems wrong, but you have this light telling you, hey, this is your warning. 
there's something that's not running the way that it should in your life. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the word calibrate and this visual of, it's a semicircle, we call this rest and work. It's a visual tool that we use in our culture at River Tree to talk about how we fight for a life that is calibrated for God's best using this idea that we are uh, created um, both to rest and to work and that there is a way that we are made that keeps us healthy, keeps us running well. May is a mental health awareness month. It's a month where a lot of people, uh, and I found this to be amazing, especially through the pandemic, like people have started to do a lot of work on themselves. We had time, right? We were <laughs> indoors for a long time, but it's continued. Uh, we're in a conversation in our culture right now where people are becoming very self-aware, very intentionally recognizing that um, if I'm going to be healthy and whole, I'm going to have to be proactive. That it doesn't just happen. That I, as a person, if my goal is to be healthy physically, then I'm going to have to pay attention to that. If I'm going to be healthy emotionally or in my relationships, that I'm going to have to be intentional and even ask for help outside of myself in order to get there. And the same is true in our own spiritual lives. As a matter of fact, I believe that Jesus wants us in every facet of life to be physically, emotionally, spiritually whole, healthy, good, that we were designed for a life that's abundant. And part of that is that we are on a trajectory where we are moving towards health. But I want to say um, in our culture and sometimes in our own lives, we hit points and sometimes they're caused by circumstances or sometimes it's just we, we become very self-aware in a moment where if you had a check engine light for your life, it would be on. <laughs> and let's be honest, it's, it's easier for us to do this in our culture, right? Like it's easy for us to look at the news. I mean, you could just take the news cycle from the past week and we're talking about a shooting in Buffalo driven by racism and hate. We're talking about war. We're talking about politics and the, the tension and confusion that this is causing, not just on national levels, but all the way down to local, and that, how that's moving into our families. We're talking about all sorts of things where we could say, look at our world, and we could say, man, if our world had a check engine light, it would be on right now. Something is not right. We've got to fix this. We've got to figure this out. But I think that in our own lives, if we're honest with ourselves, And if we become self-aware enough, we could probably say, if I, if I personally had a check engine light, it might be on right now. <laughs> it might be on. If I look at my life, something isn't right. I want to ask the question, like, what are the warning signs that your da daily living needs to be recalibrated? That something needs to happen in order for your life to go from where it is into a more healthy or whole picture of what your life could be. And let's be honest, some of us are aware enough of our own patterns. We're like, hey, if I get to the point where I'm acting like this, I know that something's not right. You find yourself being shorter with people than you normally would. You find yourself being uh, very much prone to disconnecting from the world, or maybe you're working yourself to death. John Mark Comer, in his book, um, The Ruthless Elimination of, of Hurry, gives these warning signs to us as like a list of things where he said as a pastor, what he's seeing more and more in the world is these things are not just um, 
occasional occurrences, but are becoming so normal that we uh, begin to look at them as inevitable in our life. Irritability. That everything gets on our nerves, and very quickly. <laughs> at a level that's higher than maybe it should be. Hyper um, sensitivity. That when we are out of whack, we are oversensitive about things. Restlessness, that we don't know why, but we're not content and we can't figure it out. Uh, workaholism or nonstop activity, that um, our own busyness is a sign that we are maybe operating in a way that we're not supposed to. Emotional numbness, that people are literally turning themselves off rather than feel and face reality. Out of order priorities, lack of physical care, escapist behavior. He would say, uh, this is the tendency to, uh, life is so busy that what I really need to do is binge Netflix for 10 hours. <laughs> and how that's not necessarily what leads us into health. Uh, slippage of spiritual disciplines. Isolation. Maybe you've been there. When you're unhealthy, you're disconnecting from your relationships. Here's the thing. I, I'm not bringing this list up to like slap everyone on the, on the hand. To be like, hey, if you've ever been this, something's wrong with you. Actually, most of us have probably experienced at least some of the things on this list at time to time. But I also would say that uh, if a list like this feels more like your normal than the exception to normal, then it could be a sign that your life might need to be calibrated. The word calibrate means to correlate the readings of an instrument with those of a standard in order to check the instrument's accuracy, or to put it a little bit more simply, to carefully assess, set, or adjust something so that it runs the way that it should. To assess and set and adjust our lives. Um, that's the conversation we're getting into over the next couple weeks. We all need deep adjustment for our lives to look more like we were designed to be but we'll never adjust what we don't first assess. So let's agree to this. Like, I'm just going to say very bluntly to you, I've not met a person who has it all together. Uh, there's a reason it requires Jesus to be like Jesus. All of us need Jesus to be like Jesus. And that's really the conversation we're having. But it also is one of those things where uh, we as a people and me as an individual, if I am not willing to assess my own life, I will never be able to adjust and see change happen in my own life. Um, Kurt Thompson says it this way, you cannot tame what you cannot name. <laughs> my friend Jason, uh, when he had a car that the check engine light came onto, he went to a mechanic and asked them to tell him what was going on because he needed a fix, but he said, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have the money to do a big fix. So can you tell me what's going on and how urgent it is? I mean, to fix it, the guy uh, plugged in his little computer, read what was going on on the computer of the car, and then he said, hey, um, what kind of fix do you want? And Jason was just like, I need like, the cheapest fix possible. So he goes into the garage, and he comes back with a roll of electrical tape. And he pulls off a piece, and he opens up his door, and he reaches over to the dash, and he puts it over the check engine line. <laughs> I 
And he said, he said, this is the cheapest fix I can give you. Um, and just pretend it's not there. And it's funny, but it also is like really truthful. And as someone who drove a car for 220,000 miles with a check engine light on, um, I know that sometimes the cost and the reality of dealing with what's wrong is just feels insurmountable. Why would I, like, I don't, there's times where literally I was like, if I fix this, it costs more than the car is worth. But I think that we can be that way, that there are signs that if we were really brutally honest with ourselves, we'd be like, hey, this probably isn't a sign of health. This might be a sign that maybe I'm not operating at, you know, the way that God has made me. But the cost of getting that fixed, it's high. It's hard. I've kind of learned, it's like where the noises that your car makes just becomes a part of its personality. Like, oh, that's just the way, that's the way my car is. That there's times where our own out-of-balance, dysregulated lives that we can sometimes just put the, duct, the, the electrical tape over the sign and just be like, you know what, this is just the way things are, and it's going to be fine. Like, I can still drive the car, so it must not be that bad, right? And that's the kind of thinking we want to talk about on the front end of this. We can choose to ignore the warning signs and just keep going. We can try to learn to live with rhythms that are wearing us out, or we can have a conversation by really starting to look at and pay attention to our own lives and what they're telling us about how we find ourselves. Um, again, John Mark Comer says in his book, in the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. I'm going to read that again. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. Think about that in the context of our check engine conversation. A life that ignores the warning signs will end up being a life that's filled with them. And that's, I don't think that's good news for you. I don't think it's good news for me. I don't think it's good news for our world. Um, and so today, I want to push into this question, if you were to stop and assess how your life looks in areas of rest and work and some of the fruit that are coming from it, what do you see? Over the next three weeks, we're going to look at rest and work with the hope of discovering God's plan for using both of these to keep us healthy, alive, thriving, and calibrated running in the way that we were meant to run in the world. Um, we're going to look at this tool, this semicircle, a lot. And I want to take a look at it with you. And the, the print might be a little small, uh, so I'll explain it to you. You see here um, that top line, you have rest on one side and work on the other, and there's a pendulum, or it's supposed to be, that's swinging between the two of them, making that semicircle line. On one side, you have, uh, in the language of John, you have what we would call your abiding life, your remaining, resting, receiving the life of Jesus. And on the other side, you have work, which would be like the fruitfulness that you're designed for in the world. And the pendulum here is this reminder that we're going to welcome to preach to us over the next few weeks, that we were designed to have a life that experiences both work and rest in work 
and rest. Good rest should lead to fruitful work, and fruitful work should push us back to deep and filling rest. And in the midst of this, we're also going to talk about Sabbath. I know Sabbath is uh, not necessarily a word you hear all the time. We, we love and sometimes are frustrated that things are closed on Sundays. I know uh, Chick-fil-A, some of you only crave it on Sundays. Um, they work in that six days on, one day off rhythm. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of our world doesn't operate this way anymore. Um, but in our conversation, we're going to talk about how Sabbath is, is not just a day off. Um, that it is the day that's designed to calibrate us for the life we're made for by reminding us of who we are and of, of whose we are. Walter Brueggemann puts it this way, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. People who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. True Sabbath reorients the whole of our life. It's not just taking a break for recovery. It's the thing that anchors us in God's story and God's mission. It's the fulcrum of the Ten Commandments. It's, it's in both sets of the commandments in the Old Testament. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And just like we don't disregard the rest of the commandments just because Jesus has come, we don't disregard this rhythm that God has given us of rest and work. I've heard it said that a rabbi, when someone has left the Jewish faith and they come back, and they're like, hey, I want to be more serious about being faithful to our faith, the first thing the rabbi tells them to start doing is keeping Sabbath. And the logic is very, they say, if you will keep Sabbath, everything else will align itself. That that is the foundational thing that teaches us who we are and whose we are and what it means for us to live as the people we're designed to live. So let's look at a few basics here. First, uh, I want to highlight the fact that we were created for both work and rest. Both of these things are good and part of God's design for us. In the creation narrative, when it talks about God from nothing creating the world and then getting to the point where he creates humanity, we have both of these things are part of the design of God. In Genesis 1.28, it says that God blessed them being Adam and Eve and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and govern it. That word govern is a word for work, for labor. It's actually a word that's very close to what it means to rule. It's the invitation of God to join him in caring for and ruling over creation. We're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. But that work... And the particular work of caring for and fighting for the good of the world was something that we were created for from the beginning. Work is not part of the curse of sin. It is actually part of the blessed design of God that you were made for work. And in the very next passage, it says, on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. The first day that Adam and Eve experienced was not a day of work. They were created to join the work of God, but the first day they were invited into was a holy day of rest. Think about that. They were made to be joining God in what he's doing in the world, but their invitation, their first experience of life was to rest with God on the, on the day I mean, the first thing that God ever made holy, it wasn't a thing, it wasn't a space, it was time. It was a day that he set apart and said, this is the day 
that we cease and rest. God makes us for rest and work. And this is good news because uh, everything now counts. Like, as a pastor, I'm going to be honest, I feel like there are times where people want me to help them pray or read scripture, but then it's like the rest of life, they're like, I got this. I got it. I want you to help me do the Jesus stuff, but then the rest of life, I'm good, I got it. And the picture that we get in Genesis is that we're created where everything, both our rest, our abiding connection with Jesus, that is a sacred thing that we have to take seriously, but also like not just that one hour, but the other 167 hours of the week that you're not in church, those are also worship, that you're designed for a work that God has for you in the world that it all counts, it's all part of what you're made for, and it's something that if it's healthy, it it bears fruit in a way that gives glory to God. God doesn't just care about your Sundays, he cares about every moment of your days, that they're all healthy and good, that you are being the person that you were created to be. So when we look at this rest-work semicircle, you have to remember, pulling from this language of John, he says, You are a branch of the vine. That like, if you think about it, a branch that's in the vine is is given the very life of the vine to flow through it to create fruit. So it's designed for its work of fruitfulness, but it's also designed for life by being plugged, like grafted in, plugged into the source of life, Jesus. Jesus says, if you want to understand how you're made and how I'm remaking you, because that's, I mean, that's really our faith. If we say the cross and the resurrection are so that God could reconnect us to him so that we can live abundantly and eternally, which means we're designed for a life in part that he's restoring where this out of balance way of being is being corrected and calibrated and restored. And he says this happens because his life is now your life. So even in your work of fruitfulness, there's no fruitfulness apart from the life of Jesus. It's all connected. Your resting and your working are not two separate things, but they are a joint connected thing that drives every part of your life. So your school your family life, your relationships, your job. I've got people here here who are retired. Work is bigger than just where you get a check. It is the things that you are putting your hands to that are fruitful evidence of God's life, which means if it's part of your life, it's either part of you resting and abiding and drawing from Jesus, or it's a part of what you've been designed to do, that God wants to bring balance and life and fruitfulness too. It's all worship. You're more than what you do, but also what you do is a part of how healthy you are, that you're designed for both. Second, I want to, I want to mention that a calibrated life is not just about balance. It's not just about like tipping these scales where we're like, I want to have enough work and enough rest to where everything just balances out. And the, the picture that we use uh, from John, if, if you, you pay attention, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. We're going to come back to that. 
so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I spoke to you, so remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. As we look again at this semicircle image, I want you to think about this pendulum and maybe think about the last time you or your kids or grandkids were on a swing asking you to push. A kid on the swing is just sitting there, right? Especially if they don't know how to swing. They're like, well, get me started. So you push them forward a little bit, and they get it a little bit this way. And they push a little bit more. And they get momentum to the point where they're swinging. If they're like my son Hunter, they're wanting to swing so high that if they could wrap all the way around, they could. Like, that's the goal for them, is to get that much momentum going. We use the picture of a pendulum here because a little bit of rest will yield a little bit of work. A little bit of life from Jesus is going to yield a little bit of fruitfulness as his life works its way through you. But the picture here is not, let's just find a balance to where we're just equally doing these things. Because the more you abide in Jesus, the more the pendulum will start to swing into a life where you're growing. And that's where you see in this picture, you see, you see growth and fruitfulness on the side of work. That as you abide in Jesus, you're going to start to grow and change. And that growth and change is going to lead to your life being a fruitful life, like doing the things that your life was made to do. But then as you swing this way, it's going to begin to swing back because you're going to find that your life was made to actually bring good and blessing and wholeness into the world. And you're going to see that the good life of Jesus brings life to you, brings life to the world, and that's going to swing you back where you're going to be like, I, I need more Jesus. <laughs> I need the life of Jesus. And you're going to say, well, there, maybe there's things in my life that I need to prune and cut back so that I can be even more fruitful. And that's going to swing you back to Jesus. And then it'll swing more and more and more. So this isn't about like tipping the scales of your life to find equilibrium. This is actually, you should be fully resting and fully working all the time. That's really the goal, is that you are, have a life where you work hard and you rest hard. <laughs> You deeply abide in Jesus with all that you have, and that life spins you into the world to bear fruit, to bring God's best into the world. And that leaves you at a place where you are hungry for more of Jesus. It's not ultimately about rest or work. It's about living out of relationship in both. The connecting thread to this image is that Jesus is in your rest, and he's in your work. He's in your life, in what you're doing, but he's also the source of your life that you have to keep returning to, to continue to be who you're made to be. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. See, as we look at that semicircle picture the conversation we want to have is not about productivity. It's about life. I mean, think about it. If you're a branch and you're connected to the vine, you naturally bear fruit, but your primary concern is being alive. Things that are living will begin to be fruitful. And that's why we're going to start our entire conversation with a deep conversation about rest. But you're made for both. 
because you're a branch of the true vine. This series is not about getting you to manage your time better. It's definitely not about us trying to throw a guilt trip out on like, hey, people aren't doing enough, blah, 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 whatever. This is about the health of our church for the sake of the world. And I'm going to be honest, I feel this tension in me. Catherine and I were laughing about how chaotic our schedule has been and how, how we just feel like everything is pulling on us from every direction. But I know since we've gotten married, we, we are not um, the perfect picture of what Sabbath should look like, but we've learned that when we don't fight for rest, it costs us. It costs us health. It costs us fruitfulness. It costs us with our kids. It costs us with each other. And it costs us in what God has made us to do. We were made for both of these. And our life that has rest and work that is leading to fruitfulness doesn't just happen. H.H. Farmer puts it this way, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. You were made for this. Like you were made for the life of Jesus to be the source of thing that pushes you into the world to do incredible, amazing things right where you live and work and play. We're having this conversation before the summer because in a couple weeks, I'm going to challenge you to say, this summer, I want to calibrate my life to be healthy and whole in a way it's never been. So we're going to talk about rest. We're going to talk about work. Next week, as we talk about resting, we're going to talk about God's call for us to rest, for us to cease, to not let work define us, to actually put things down for a day. Talk about um, feasting as a picture of what God made us to be, about embracing, about how relationships with Jesus, with one another, are part of God's beautiful design to fill us for the work ahead. In two weeks, we're going to talk about work. We're going to talk about how we were made for work, how God doesn't call us to be unproductive, but to be fruitful, disciple-making people in the world. We're going to talk about how he's made us to be a blessing in the world, how that's a key part of our life and our commitment to be 44614 is to bless our world as part of the work of the church, about how God's made us to listen, to join him in the world, and that he's made us to contend for the future that he's bringing. And on our last week, we're going to talk about Sabbath and building an intentional plan for your life. We're going to get super practical that week. Uh, and I'm excited about it because sometimes spiritual ideas sound great on paper, but like how do you actually make it happen? So we're going to talk about the things we have to eliminate and choose the pruning we need so that we can be fruitful in our own lives to hopefully give you a game plan for this summer. To maybe think about what does it mean to be a little bit more intentional, a little bit more focused, on your resting life and your working life so that you can be the person and we can be the church that God has made us to be. In Mark, 20, or Mark 2, 27, Jesus tells the people that the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Even Jesus highlights that Sabbath was a gift given to us to meet our needs to help us align ourselves with how we are made, to be deeply connected to God in a way that bears fruit in the world. 
as we look at that pendulum of rest and work, we're going to use this tool to help us have conversations about rest and work and how this rhythm can calibrate us to keep us healthy and whole. But to start this conversation, I want to start with the check engine light. I just want to start by asking the question, if you were to stop and assess yourself, think about your internal life, your emotional life, your physical life, your relationships. Think about your life with your, if you're, you're married, with your spouse, with friends, with family, with coworkers. Your relationship to whatever you consider your work to be. Is the check engine line on? Like, are there signs that maybe things are out of line? One of the things I want to push our church to do is to take advantage of the next few months to pull the electrical tape off the dash and to just say, Lord, are there ways where I am out of line that you can come calibrate my life so that I can be who you've made me to be? Not that we will ever be completely healed and whole this side of glory, but I, I believe that you can be more healthy than you have been more whole than you have been, that your life of rest and of work can lead you to be a person who is experiencing more and more of the life of Jesus and the fruitfulness of Jesus. But that only happens if we are intentional.